0: Dr. Catherine Uram, thank you for coming on the show today. How's it going?
1: Good. Thank you for having me on the show, Shane.
0: I'm excited for our conversation today. You have a very interesting career and uh, person um, or life ahead of you. I mean, you are a physician who turned to integrative medicine and, you know, started exploring various alternative modalities for healing and for treatment and it's a very exciting you know career shift i guess you could say because most doctors don't do that and they stick on the traditional biomedicine path and um, i'm excited to talk to you about your journey and why you did it and what it means for you and for your patients and for us and so yeah thank you Um, How about we start off with what kind of led you to move away from the traditional medical model and towards more of the alternative modalities?
1: Sure. So first I'd like to say that all medicine – is medicine. We like to divide things up between conventional and alternative, and really everything that works to heal us is medicine. So for me, I had this awareness pretty early on um, and had an interest in learning all of the different modalities that would help us heal from an early age. So mm-hmm. I grew up in a family of physicians uh, from a lineage of physicians. So I was really inducted into medicine quite early, even before I can remember making rounds with my mom at the hospital and as a baby. So that was very early, very early for me, obviously, in childhood. And I went through my regular medical education and training. And as I did this, I studied with different healers in the States and traveled around the world, learning different healing modalities. Mm -hmm. And After I did my regular training in emergency medicine with an emphasis on critical care, I did a fellowship in integrative medicine at the Dr. Andrew Weil Center here in Arizona, where I really learned the practice of integrating natural and conventional medicine. And so as I practiced like this over time, I started seeing what actually helped people heal, what the underlying healing energy was of all of it. And mm-hmm. so that's where I've put my focus in my career and in my work with people.
0: Right. And so what? what is that underlying um, thing? <laughs> I don't know if that's the right word.
1: <laughs> yes. So to get right to the point, the underlying thing that heals us is really our own essence, And I've seen this time and again with different patients and groups of people. So what happens is when we're disconnected from our own essence, we see lots of different effects mentally, physically, and in our outer worlds. And when we reconnect with it, we often feel better mentally, physically, and our outer world feels a little more coherent with what we're experiencing inside. And so I've seen this in my work in people, um, not only recovering from disease, but moving into their lives, pursuing their purpose.
0: Right, and so this underlying essence, is that like, you know, an, another way of saying it might be like your inner being or your inner energy field, or, you know, how, how do, what's the right way to kind of conceptualize that?
1: Absolutely, that's a great question. So the essence is an extension of this universal energy that exists within all of us. So many of the people listening to this podcast probably engage in meditation or yoga or some other form of connection, some kind of spiritual practice or energetic practice Mm -hmm. um, like this. And what we're doing when we do those is we're connecting with universal energy. And that's what we're bringing into our body. That's what we're equilibrating with The channels of our body are equilibrating this. So we have this spark of universal energy that exists within us. And the place where that lives within us is the heart. That's where that wellspring of healing is. And um, at some point during this podcast today, Shane, I would really love to bring us into that energy so we can experience that.
0: Yeah, let's do it. I mean, whenever you're ready, we can give it a go. Let's do it now right at the beginning.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Let's roll. So, um, if you are somewhere comfortable, not driving somewhere where you can relax, close your eyes, place your hands on your heart.
0: I'm going to do it along with you as well.
1: Awesome. Place your hands on your heart, close your eyes and put all of your awareness on the center of your heart and breathe into this place. Now, you may notice that there's a softness at the center of your heart. You may feel this softness. You may have this internal perception there of there being some lightness. Maybe you just see a dot. Maybe you see an image, but there's a center of it. So really feel the center of your heart. Now what we can do with all of our awareness here is soften into this place, really feel the softness. And as we soften, we can allow the heart center to open. You may feel some kind of opening, some kind of softening we can allow the light to come through our heart. Really feel this light at the center of your heart. You may see it, you may feel it, we can just connect with it and breathe. And the key here is to just keep putting all of your awareness there on the center of your heart, breathing, and experiencing this softness.
2: And this place
1: is not just a a mental construction or another exercise or practice, but this is a real piece of your energetic anatomy. This is known across cultures to exist, and this really exists inside of you. And we can connect with this place and this wellspring of healing whenever we'd like, either with our eyes closed or throughout the day with our eyes open, just putting our hands here and internally connecting with this space. And when you're ready, come back up and we'll keep talking.
2: Wow.
0: It's an amazing just moment of you know relaxation and um, I guess they call it heart coherence right is when you connect with that that inner essence of you and I can immediately feel a shift in my energy you know and uh, my feelings and it's great and it's really cool that you know you don't need anything to do it right there's no magic formula or something outside of you that you need to be able to do it. You don't, you know, everyone can do it at any point in time. Right. How did, how did you first come across this? Like who taught you about that?
1: Well, the heart center is something that we see across cultures. So a lot of us do yoga. We know that there's the heart chakra. We see this in Chinese medicine as well. There's the heart, um, which is a center of healing. Um, we see this in other cultures. So it just comes up repeatedly in healing work. And what we find in all healing work that deeply heals the spirit, the mind and the body is that all of the work is done through the heart. And this experience is not just for healing ourselves, but it's for healing everybody. So what we find is that the heart is about this experience that we're all having, which we know to be the case through recent studies of heart fields, coherence, when people get together and are connected in the heart, that we can create these fields of healing. So there's scientific evidence that shows what we know from this more esoteric wisdom.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's also a wisdom tradition that dates back you know, thousands, if not tens of thousands of years, and perhaps there was no conceptual version of it. It was just a intuitive knowing of our ancestors of like, this is the way to connect with yourself and, and with the universe, right? And, you know, in, in theory, if it didn't work, it would have died out a long time ago. <laughs> so uh, there's good reason to think that there's a, a lot of truth in, in what you're saying and, and what you're describing, right? And it's really an amazing thing and it, it feels so simple and yet... It it's so tremendously powerful, right?
1: Absolutely, and I'll say two things to that. Shane, one is one of the big points that you're alluding to is what is primary. And in my experience with healing work and with medicine and spirituality, that's the inner world is primary, and the outer world is secondary. Mm -hmm. So, a lot of times in our culture, we're always looking for things externally. I'm going to, you know take this pharmaceutical medication. I'm going to take this supplement. i even do it with meditation. I'm going to buy this meditation app or whatever it is. And there are all these external things that we're searching for when really it's our internal experience, our awareness of our internal reality is what heals us. And we see clinical evidence of this all over the place. And the next point that I wanted to bring up about that
0: Well, I forgot what my second one <laughs> um, No, but but you're right. And it, it's, you know, you. I think what, what you're talking about is that desire that people have where they just want to feel good, right? They just want to feel well and alive and happy in the world. And we very often look for it through external um, sources. And, you know, part of that's because the culture we live in today sort of, highlights those things and tells us that you know if there's anything wrong you need something else to fix it right there's very little emphasis on how you can fix it yourself um just by having an internal practice of of silence and of of meditation or of coherence or you know various forms of that and you know we're not saying that it'll heal your broken bones but (laughs) um it's more in the sense of like I guess, yeah, I, I, you know, how do you sort of like navigate that balance, right? Between where actually you do need to see a doctor versus maybe this is something that you can address by yourself, right? Uh,
1: That is a fantastic question. Fantastic question. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So let me tell you about a patient who I saw years ago, and, um, this may illustrate some points. So. This so it was a patient I had, I used to have a private practice and I would go to people's homes and who um, couldn't, who couldn't leave. A lot of people have fatigue or pain and depression and they, they can't leave their houses. So I would go and sit with people and try to find out um, how, how to help them and try to help them best I could looking at the medical and the, um, the alternative medicine and the, the, the psychology and the underlying energy and spiritual experience of these folks and um, this one woman who I saw, she had been to so many doctors and so many holistic practitioners. It, it, she was on so many supplements. And I saw this was, this was very common in people that would come into my practice. And what it was is this constant search for finding, you know, trying to find out what's wrong with me and looking for someone that's going to fix me Mm -hmm. what that does is in many circumstances and in this case um was it can actually cause more harm so for this woman she was on a ton of supplements and it was affecting her liver so she was um actually doing worse physically and this is a very common experience so what happened, what ultimately helped this woman was connecting with the essence of who she is, finding out what's right about her experience. And when she found out what was right about her experience, when she connected with that sense of healing in herself, she not only became, you know, unfatigued, undepressed um, and was able to leave her home, but she was able to participate more fully in her life. And beyond that, was that she had a clearer sense of her internal knowing so connected to herself she could choose more what she needed to do like she could more clearly navigate her path not only for her health and her spiritual life but that her outer her outer world as well mm-hmm.
0: okay that makes sense but so was her situation you know cuz there's a lot of um discussion these days about like, you know, as the expression goes, where your attention goes, energy flows kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we, if you're focusing on everything that's wrong, it feels like your whole reality is wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. And that applies both at sort of like a micro and a macro level where if it depends on where you're focusing, uh, well, you know, determine the sort of experience you're having to a large degree right and so it sounds to me like what you're saying about this woman was like she was so focused on all the bad things that she was experiencing and trying to come up with solutions to fix it um that it sort of expanded all of her energy right was just focused on that and so when you came in and you were like all right you know you're not actively dying. So let's take that away for a second. Let's just focus on um, some of the good things that are happening to you and you know, focus on how, I mean, I'm, I'm making some assumptions here, but it's kind of like how your body has an amazing ability to heal itself, right? How you're still living and breathing and well, and all of these good things that are still there and currently happening for you. And when you focus on that, you kind of start to highlight that in your experience. And so it becomes a lot more of your reality. And so you become a lot more empowered in a sense to say things like, um, I might not be feeling great right now in this capacity, but look at all of these other things that are going very well. Right. And, you know, my heart's pumping, my breath is working, all my organs are functioning. Maybe not my liver so much is taking a bit of strain, <laughs> but, um, you know, all of these things that are actually working really well. And if you can focus on that, then the problem kind of, it it takes a different perspective, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. And the genesis of that is connecting with the essence in the heart. So instead of having to grapple with you know, looking at all the different factors that are like, Oh, you know, my job's going well, my relationship's going well, all the different things. It's just going to the essence of the heart. And when we are aligned with that, the more we connect with that heart essence, like we just did in the meditation, the more that all of these downstream thoughts, feelings and physical experiences align with that. Mm -hmm. And With that meditation that we had done, even if you don't have time to sit down and, you know, close your eyes and do the meditation, even if you just put your hands on your hearts throughout the day, even putting your hands there brings your awareness to the heart. And over time, cultivates energy. Which is really an experience beyond our cognitive mind. So, right, like if we knew what the best thing was that was going to heal us, we would have already been healed. So, what we have to do is kind of let our, yeah, yeah, you know, we have to let our personality and ego step to the side and just let this deeper energy come through and cultivate over time. And that's why we do these practices.
0: Which is really hard for people to, myself included, not making a judgment about it. It's just, it's very hard to do because. We spend so much of our time in our minds thinking and cognizing and using our you know i mean our like mental faculties to navigate through the world which is great because they're, they're wonderful faculties but if you spend too much time there then you miss out on these like opportunities to access something that's much greater than our mental capacity and i mean you know you don't even have to be too spiritually inclined to imagine it because you know as hard as you try you can't think about you can't control most of your bodily processes with your thought even thought itself is quite hard to forcefully you know think about and change you know you can't just change your heartbeat with your thoughts although i suppose maybe you could increase it if you think about bad stuff or whatever but you can't change the rate that your blood flows you can't change you know cell division you can't just and most of your body just works that way right and we have no idea and then i think that's why they sort of talk about how the conscious mind only represents a really small portion of like the full intelligence of your body because that happens at such at a much deeper and greater level and we have access to that we just have to step aside and not try and think about it too much and just allow it to happen right absolutely and so what what's the like, in terms of the physiology of what happens when you focus your attention on your heart, right? What kind of what are the physiological changes that happen in the body? And, and you know, do you know why that's the case?
1: So at this point, our knowledge about the nervous system is, was pretty common. We talk about it in mainstream culture and pop culture. So When we place the hands on the heart, we induce a relaxation response of the nervous system. As many people know who are listening, there's two different branches of the nervous system, of our autonomic nervous system. And one of them um, is our sympathetic nervous system that brings us into the fight or flight response. That's when our heart rate goes up, our blood pressure goes up, we might get some anxiety, we may get some clouded thinking. And this is a necessary branch of the nervous system not only to help get us out of real danger, but it also controls the organs of our body when we actually need to bring our heart rate up just just naturally and 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 modulate um, our other physiologic functions. Now the second branch of our autonomic nervous system is the parasympathetic system. And that brings us into a rest and relaxation response. And so when we get into this phase, our heart rate goes down, our blood pressure goes down and we become calmer. Our breathing becomes more relaxed. We feel more peaceful. And so when we place the hands on the heart, we're going into a parasympathetic response, the rest and relaxation Mm. response. And in this state, our bodies function more, optimally you know on a molecular level we wind up with this kind of anti-inflammatory response it's more of a pro-healing response so that's really a lot of the basis um, of the nervous system in terms of healing when we're talking about the physiologic basis is shifting into this rest and relaxation response now another aspect of this is what you brought up before which is heart coherence now this is a bit of a step further than the rest and relaxation response, and the heart coherence response is what's studied by groups like HeartMath, and it's when we have our the beating of our heart and it's synchronized with our brain waves. So it's when our heart is connected with our brain. Hmm. And that is the state when we feel really good. We may feel resonance. And that's when we're starting to notice more synchronicities. So that's the state that we're really going for when we do this this heart centering technique.
0: Right. And that makes sense too, right? Because just on the um sympathetic and parasympathetic side, like, yeah, your body wouldn't be in healing mode if you're in fight or flight right there's no time for that because you've got to be willing to take action and do things and be active and you know use all the resources that you have and then it would make sense that the parasympathetic part of it when that's active that's when your body's like okay we're safe now things are good it's time to heal right that's why like rest and recovery is so important for um training or any sort of you know, uh, system of, of trying to improve anything, right. And sleep and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's why you can overtrain at the gym, right? That's a real sort of possibility. And so that, that really makes sense to me that, um, activating that side, which is interesting that we can do that, right. So simply, even though a lot of us don't know how or that we can do it. Right. I mean, that's, what's interesting about it as well.
1: Yes. Unfortunately, a lot of things that we're all engaged in in our culture now are geared towards this. So just with the increasing prevalence of meditation and yoga um, really enhances the parasympathetic system, as well as these more focus on having um, better nutrition that bolsters the parasympathetic tone. So we have a little bit more of an orientation towards that now. But of course, there's still, you know, a lot of, you know, we're pretty geared up in a lot of our culture as well towards this fight or flight, you know, keep pushing, keep stressing, keep going. Yeah.
0: maximum yeah. productivity. You Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. And it's interesting how... At the same time, as that part of the culture is seemingly on the increase, there's also this counteractive response of meditation and yoga and these spiritual practices also gaining momentum as well. And I think that that would sort of indicate that there's a need that people have, even if they don't consciously know what it is, that there's just this craziness that's going on and that you know everyone seems to be a part of, but it's not good and people don't feel good. And they're looking for ways to feel better and to rebalance themselves in their lives, and things like meditation and that give that um, to people, right? And so I think that's maybe why the rise in popularity is happening sort of simultaneously, right? Things stay in balance that way.
1: Yes, and I love one of the things that you're alluding to, and that is that these practices that we do, these um, these things that we engage in, to bring more healing into our lives are not just for us. They're for everybody. Mm -hmm. So when we're bringing balance into our own, into our own bodies, our own lives, we're affecting everybody else. It's bringing balance on this larger scale. And as human beings, we have this incredible, incredible capacity for conscious awareness Mm -hmm. and for choice. And so beyond just choosing these things, um, you know, for the materialistic value of, Oh, I'm going to meditate. I'm going to do yoga. I'm going to eat. Well, we choose them to connect deeply with ourselves, to heal ourselves and to choose deeply how we're contributing to the greater whole. And that has an effect beyond us, beyond our family, beyond our friends, just beyond our current culture. But will continue into the future over time and when this really adds up and um, can really influence how humanity is unfolding on this planet which as we know is incredibly important during this time
0: yeah and you know you can see that just with how you interact with people on a day-to-day basis i mean if you're going into all of your conversations, and you're already angry, or you're already upset, or you're already, I mean, depressed or anxious, which you may not be able to control. But if you simply observe how those interactions go, it kind of always almost always amplifies that feeling for you, right? You bring it out of the other person as well. Because either you're going to just talk about it, or you're going to, you know, that energy kind of is contagious for lack of a better word <laughs> um not the best word to use these days but nevertheless it is right and so at the same time if you're coming into all of your interactions with people in the state of calm and of you know relaxation and peace that you bring that out of other people as well right and so that then can exponentially grow and you don't even necessarily have to know or think about it for it to happen right i mean oftentimes i mean i've had people and and it comes out in conversation as well like i've had people say to me like oh you know that that thing that you said to me this one point like that you know really changed how i thought about things for the better and really at the time i wasn't even really doing anything i was just having a conversation i wasn't trying to influence them or trying to you know fix things or sort problems i was just being and then it it has this you know, magnified effect. Um, and so it's tremendously powerful for everyone. You know, you don't need to be a healer or some big, big shot in order for it to happen. It happens with every interaction with all of your people.
1: Absolutely. That is very beautiful what you're saying. I love what you're saying, Shane, because being a healer is really just what you're saying. It is being connected to that essence to that purity of yourself and helping others connect to that and we do that unconsciously Mm -hmm. we can do it consciously obviously but when we're connected it happens naturally and that is really what we're going for and like you're saying you don't need to be you know nominally a healer or you know a therapist or in any of these helping professions you just need to have that in your life and it comes through and you can make big changes in whatever fields you're in for work and in your personal life, just by having these soft and subtle interactions. With mm-hmm. And, you know, we, beyond this too, we know the data is there to show what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So we see this in medicine. There's a lot of research on what happens when physicians and other clinicians are burned out. And this Experience of burnout is quite common in medicine. You know, people go into um, into medicine because they want to help people, they want to alleviate suffering. And what happens is, um, clinicians get overwhelmed because there are so many people that need to be seen. There's so much suffering, and a lot of times the system just can't can't hold all of this. And what happens is when clinicians get burned out, they you know, they may become angry, frustrated. They don't like going to work. And so what the data shows is that clinicians don't do as well when they're burned out, obviously. You Nobody know, can intuit that. If you show up to work and you're angry, you don't, you probably don't do as good of a job. Yeah, so The data shows that when people are not burned out anymore, they do a better job. Patients have better outcomes. So that's a clear example of when the light is turned on within you and you're treating other people, the light spreads.
0: Right. And so, you know, you're right. And and it's so important for people in those kind of roles to take care of themselves first, right? Because you're you're not really helping other people if you're not in a good space. I mean, you're not not helping, but as you're saying, like, there's a big difference between being burned out and helping people where you're just trying to just get through your day and you know your energy and your life isn't in the you know whatever consulting room or treatment room or whatever it is it's a very different experience to when you're feeling good you know like I guess you just come back from a vacation and you're all recharged and happy to be there and you know people come in and there's a smile on your face and you're like oh what can I do what can I help rather than, you know, just like checking off boxes and being like, yeah, next, 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 and kind of just going through the motions, right?
1: And the question becomes then, how do we do this for ourselves and for each other? How do we Mm -hmm. we keep that light within ourselves and help help bring that out in other people? And this has a direct correlation to the nervous system conversation we were just having, Mm -hmm. which is, Fighter, the fight or flight response, that sympathetic response, is when we're in a survival mode, and so we're feeling like we're in survival. Feels that way in our body. Those are the thoughts we're having. But when we're in the rest and relaxation mode, the parasympathetic mode, we're more relaxed and we're more able to um, to we're able to have more choice. We're not just dealing with basic survival. We have more choice, and when we have more choice you know, we have physiologic freedom in our bodies, we can breathe better, we can think more clearly. And that heart coherence is more able to occur. Mm -hmm. And so we can have these bigger effects um, with other people in the world around us.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And but what's interesting, though, is thinking about it now, you know, it, it must be a very difficult experience to try and navigate that balance if you're in a a helping field and what you want to do is help people and there is endless amounts of suffering right and i think that's hard to come to terms with for everyone is that it doesn't end and people will continue to get sick and to hurt themselves and or, or get hurt i mean and you know whatever it is and uh and then have problems that need help with and you know if you're in that position where you're like oh well i mean i could see another few patients today like it's not really that big of a deal or these these there's still so many people that need help you know is it selfish of me to stop at the end of the day to take care of myself when i could be helping more people right and it's true that you could be but the long-term ramifications of that do seem to worsen it for yourself and, you know, for the other people you're helping. And so that must be a really hard thing to navigate, you know?
1: Yes. And what we're talking about here is our internal knowing rather than an external set of shoulds or what we should be doing. Like, I should be doing this. I should be seeing more people. I should, you know, this external these external rules of how much work we should be doing per day, Mm -hmm. what we should be doing when really one of the things we're doing when we're connecting with the heart, with our own essence, our internal experiences, we're connecting with our own knowing. And so when we're connected with that, which is like we were saying, um, first, you know, beyond the, beyond the cognitive mind, our bodies know how much to do our bodies know what to do and our thoughts become coherent with that as well so we can easily choose and move through life doing what's best and what happens is over time is that's not just what's best for for me but it's what's best for all of us mm-hmm. and that's not just a thinking process of substituting what's best for me and with what's best for everybody, but it's a natural process that becoming coherent with your essence, you wind up feeding into the process of what's best for everybody.
0: Right. And you have to, I guess it takes some practice to learn to trust that, right? Because it does in some sense in, in too many people go against what your cognitive mind is telling you, right? And so, what do you how do you sort of encourage people to trust that? Or is it just a matter of practice it? You'll see how good it feels and then you'll want to keep doing it.
1: That is a very good question. So, as we were talking about before, this is something that gets cultivated over time. So, if you're listening to this and you enjoyed the heart meditation that we were doing, I encourage you to do that whenever you can. And I have a heart meditation that I've recorded that you can use um, whenever you need. And like I was saying, if you just don't have time for the full meditation, you can just place your hands and your awareness on your heart. And the more you do this, the more it's just cultivated over time. So you don't even need to actively be thinking or planning uh, Mm. how you're best going to do this. And what we're talking about is the experience of direct perception. And so what direct perception is, is when we experience both our internal and our external reality without the clouding of our cognitive processes, including assumptions, inferences, and memories, and thoughts, but we're just having the direct experience of our inner and our outer world which allows us to access the purity of these experiences which is the vehicle for having healing within ourselves and each other and on this larger scale
0: right and then so it's about connecting with that and then through that you get to observe and know what you're sort of intuition or your inner being or the greater being or however you want to conceptualize it is guiding you towards right for your best good which ultimately you know turns into the best for humanity and it's interesting because as much as we like to think of ourselves as you know well we want to help the most amount of people and so surely that must come at the cost of ourselves right and that it's counterintuitive to think, but it's actually correct where you go, actually the whole world wants you to be the best version of you, right? That's what everyone wants for you. And the best version of you is not what other people think they want. They might think that that, but that's irrelevant because when you are that best version of you, that's when you can be the best support or help or you know, the, in the best place to support the rest of the world or even just other people in your life, right? You don't have to dream so big, <laughs> um, but it is a counterintuitive thing, right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, there's so much within healing that is counterintuitive to um, what we're raised with and what we're used to. Mm-hmm. So this experience that we're talking about of letting these deeper energies come through is an example of that. Another example is, um, The concept of gentleness, you know, as we are experiencing in this conversation and in the meditation that we did, the feeling of essence is gentleness, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's gentle. And we have this affinity in our culture to think that we need to be more intense for things to be effective. You know, we need to take higher doses of medications, higher doses of supplements work out more, you know, push harder, work harder when really it's that gentleness that brings us through and I've seen this time and again with patients that when we kind of go, you know, go at things really hard like a jackhammer it can actually impede our healing because it can it can stop this kind of softer process from occurring. So really encouraging that, that gentleness within ourselves, even though a lot of this is counterintuitive to what we're thinking and what's coming.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And do you think that that drive for, you know, that like aggressive approach towards treating things or getting better or feeling better? I mean, to me, you know, what it, I can relate to in my own experience is like, sometimes when you don't feel good, You just, you just want to make it go away, right? You just want it to stop and you just want to feel good, whether it's because of an injury or a condition or, a whatever it is. And so I I can appreciate that sense of like, I want to do everything that I can to fix this right now. Right. Um, which you're saying is not necessarily the best approach for it.
1: Well, there are different approaches that are good at different times right. and generally when it's coming to these issues of deeper healing that this gentleness is the way to go um, history is fraught with examples of this there let's look at the example of um, the history of medicine so the type of medicine that we're used to conventionally is called allopathic medicine that's Biochemical medicine that we have where we diagnose and treat disease, um, pharmaceutical drugs and surgical intervention. So that's allopathic medicine, which is currently conventional. And earlier in history, there was um, a time when conventional medicine was known for what's called heroic measures. And these measures were dangerous to people Hmm. and it was like this was known and patients were hurt and patients died and so this is what fueled the origins of homeopathic medicine this is where homeopathic medicine was homeopathic medicine was a reaction to this and homeopathic medicine basically said you know this is dangerous when we're going at things so so hard we need to Find a softer, lighter intervention, and so for the listeners who are not as familiar with homeopathy, what homeopathy is is it's in essence a a, um, an energy medicine. So it is when you take um, an herb or natural substance and dilute it, so there's not even any pharmacologically active component. It's just the energetic imprint or essence of what the substance was Mm -hmm. and so these are very gentle remedies and they're effective in many situations for many people so that's a you know historical example of how this gentleness can really be the answer to um some of these problems that are caused by 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 intensity and of course we're seeing similar issues now you know right now we have basically an epidemic of people on um, psychiatric medications, particularly antidepressants um, like SSRIs and um, also sleeping medications and anti-anxiety medications like benzodiazepines. And these are really, really strong medications that affect us within not only our minds and our bodies, but our, our deeper sense of being. And, and, and collectively. And so we really need to be looking for answers of how can we be gentler with ourselves? Mm-hmm. The, um, the example of um, of sleeping medications is a perfect example of how we harm ourselves with being too strong. So sleeping medications, I'm sure some people listening to this are familiar with them, such as the Ambien, Lunesta. Uh, some people also take benzodiazepines like, like xanax or adavans to sleep and what these medications do is when they help you sleep they're not just you know our sleep is not just an on off switch it's not like we're awake we're on we go to sleep we're off yeah. there's an entire sleep architecture that occurs when we sleep uh, Needs to cycle in a certain way, and sleeping medications disrupt the sleep architecture. Mm. And so that may, at first glance, may not sound like such a big deal, but it is because when we're disrupting our physiology, our sleep is our time to reset uh, uh, physically, mentally, and also if you're in touch with the spiritual and energetic aspects of yourself, that is resetting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we really need to be looking for how can we be gentler with ourselves, increasingly more gentle and finding increasingly gentler options to assist our health and well-being.
0: Right. Yeah. And I I think that's important too. And you know, I guess it it as you know, as I'm sure you know, like it's a extraordinarily complicated and by no means are we saying that people must just give up all their medication and whatever, right? Of course, you need to do what's best for you and, and talk to the physicians and people in your life that sort of help you with that kind of stuff. But I, I get what you're saying where, you know, we're interfering with things that we might not know exactly what we're doing. And it's interesting because, you know, sometimes I've heard a doctor say this before where it's like sometimes what medicine does is... He said, we do bad things to prevent worse things, right? And it's not exactly clear how those things are necessarily defined all the time. But, you know, you might say, well, I need to sacrifice my sleep architecture because I need to sleep because any sleep is better than no sleep, right? And that is a short-term solution, which might be necessary, you know, and, and people do struggle with sleep and it, it's a very complicated field and it would be tremendous if we could find these softer ways of doing it that could help these people who are, who are struggling with it because so many people struggle with sleep, right? It, it's a huge problem and sleep is so vital, as you say, to our health and just to everything. And so, um, I mean, I guess, yeah, that we're, we are evolving towards finding better alternatives and, you know, sleep experts you know, have different ways of approaching it to medication most of the time. And, you know, they say, like, if you have messed up sleep cycles, the best thing you can do is fix up your sleep hygiene, as they call it, right? So you go to sleep and you wake up at the same time every day. You don't have caffeine too early, I mean, too late. You don't uh, have other sort of substances. You don't uh, use your phone and all kinds. There's all sorts of ways that you can kind of, like, adjust your living habits to prioritize sleep right as opposed to keeping all that stuff the same and then just finding a way to like knock yourself out right
1: absolutely Absolutely. and and, um what that's pointing to is connecting with our circadian rhythm or in a natural um cycle natural 24-hour cycle and the circadian rhythm is also connected with our seasonal rhythms so we're part of the natural environment so, becoming more connected and coherent with the greater whole is what's happening here, mm-hmm. and provides us with with greater health and well being. And I will say, Shane, you know, you you pointed to this in our conversation. You know, I'm by no means dismissing the need for um, external interventions such as medi- medications and other interventions. But what I am doing is pointing to how we need to be gentler with ourselves Mm -hmm. and where the primacy is and keep orienting ourselves towards that. Just keep that orientation. You know, we don't, you know, need to be zealots about this, but just keep pointing to that internal softness and the primacy of your experience of essence, the primacy of your internal experience. And that's how we're going to get to where we need to go.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's important. And Hopefully, you know, that sort of like moves into the, the medical field as we sort of evolve and progress, because that's where people go to for help most of the time, right? In in a Western sort of culture where it's like you feel something wrong. What does everyone say? Go to the doctor, right? And then you hope you have an enlightened physician who can guide you in the best way to dealing with whatever your problem is um, gently, right? And, and easily before you have to go to the more like aggressive measures which i guess some people will have to do anyway and you know okay that's fine people are born with various conditions and situations that need medical intervention and you know medical science has has saved a huge amount of people's lives and helped people in extraordinary ways and so it's not that we're saying that you must dismiss that stuff and instead just you know, try solve it by yourself, but it's like, we're just talking about like how you kind of like integrate the two to kind of promote a society that focuses more on a greater well-being for the person as a whole, rather than just doing symptomatic treatment, right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and it's huge. And, and I think that we are moving towards that, even though it might not feel like that at times. But, you know, I've spoken to and I know some medical students and in many places like they're talking about greater, um, integration of various disciplines and fields. And I mean, sometimes they're not, and there's a a lot of areas that tend to be like super laser focused and dismiss everything else. And okay, whatever, you know, it's sort of like one step at a time. You can't solve the whole situation all at once. Um, but it's, it's also people like you who are coming out and speaking to public, uh, people in the public to be like, Hey, like, listen, these are the options. And if your doctor doesn't do things the way you like, maybe there's another doctor who will do it that way. Or, you know, and it's not that one bad doctor, not bad, but one sort of doctor focused on, you know, the traditional way of things is wrong. Necessarily. It's like, no, that's how they've been trained. Like, you know, how do you, what do you expect? What else do you expect? And so. It's just a matter of like figuring it out and opening the discussion and being available to to people. I mean, for people to be open and available to new and other options, right? Which I think is also coming out where people are becoming less traditionally oriented towards medication and more open to alternative interventions, right? Do you think that's coming up as well?
1: I do. There is a rise in the use of natural medicines and integrative medicine as a field. And one of the things that we're looking at in this conversation is that there's different interventions that work for different people as we're all moving towards this softer um, and more natural experience there's still different interventions that work for different people. And this is not just based on biologic factors um, or the condition that the person has, but it has to do with the consciousness of the individual.
2: Mm.
1: So I treated a lot of people for depression over the years. And there's all different ways to approach depression, as we know. And this can range from therapeutic interventions to pharmaceuticals, to uh, supplements, homeopathic measures, more you know, energetic measures, and, and different people respond to different interventions. And the classic kind of medical answer to why this is the case would be, well, that just has to do with the patient, the severity of the patient's disease. Mm -hmm. But that is not my experience with it my that's part of it but part of it is the consciousness of the person what the person will respond to um i find that a lot of younger people these days are responding to increasingly lighter interventions rather Mm. than the the hard-hitting pharmaceuticals so like I said, nothing wrong with the pharmaceuticals. If that's what someone's going to respond to, that's what they're going to respond to. And you have to meet people where they are. That's that's how you help people. In yeah, this harm reduction model. You have to meet people where they are.
0: Yeah, that and that that's very interesting because. There are a thousand different treatments and I suppose depression manifests in a thousand different ways. Right. Even though symptomatically you can quite neatly categorize it, although not that neatly, but relatively speaking. And so, yeah, it's about finding what works for you, I suppose. Right. And being willing to try things because you, you never know. Right. And if one intervention hasn't worked for you, so you tried the pharmacology route and it didn't work and you tried other sort of therapeutics and it didn't work and you're still looking for help or maybe you go to an energy healer or you go to a chinese medicine specialist or you go to a homeopath or something like that and just having that openness might allow you to you know experience a change that you might not have otherwise if nothing else has worked and also you should exercise because exercise statistics i mean i think the studies show that exercise is at least as effective as antidepressants for treating therapy. I mean, treating depression and anxiety, right?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love that. And even in a dose-wise fashion, you can you can almost dose exercise like you would a medication.
0: Yeah. So go go exercise, go work out, go for a walk. <laughs> anyway, listen, Catherine, thank you so much for coming on today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, what a great discussion we've had. And if people want to find you or contact you, you know, where can they reach you? I'll also include links in in the descriptions, but, you know, please.
1: So if this resonated with you, if you're interested, I'll um, give Shane a link where you can access the heart meditation. And from there, you know, that will keep you in the loop with, with what we're doing, connecting to essence over time. So just stay in the loop with us, do this meditation and see what evolves.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you. I look forward to speaking with you again. Dr. Catherine Uram, everybody. Take care.
1: Thanks so much.
0: Bye.